Alright, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today's show is sponsored by MyPillow.com. Go over to MyPillow.com. You can receive right now up to 50% off of all slippers, up to 60% off of all overstock items, and up to 66% off on everything else else you have to use promo code tjcs we have the giza sheets right now they're up to 60 percent off we have the blankets the pillows and they are top notch but again the only way you get that type of discount is by going to mypillow.com and punching in promo code tjcs now to today's guest he is a homeopath okay he's into homeopathy had to really, really, it took me a long time to get these two words correct. And what is that? That is the belief that the body could heal itself by the use of certain type of organic remedies. His name is Jonathan Kavner. I am excited to have him on. So with that being said, let's start the show. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert, if you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy too. All right, Jonathan, welcome back. Here we are. Welcome to the show, should I say. Not you welcome back, but welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. I Absolutely. Yeah, so we had a little conversation we were having before the show started. And, you know, I, I like doing that in a way because, you know, you start to get to know the person, but then you start talking too much and you're like, oh, hold on, save that. Because that's something that I'd like to talk about when the show starts. And one of the things that you mentioned to me is you said, this is an exciting time to be alive. I'm not one of those... I would say pessimists, pessimists, whatever, that do not think that right now. But I have a lot of friends, and a lot of times that I do it to myself too, I'm say, I say, you know, I can't believe that, you know, this is my life at 48 years old, and we're going through COVID, the country is changing, the dynamics, the culture, everything, the border, whatever, whatever it may be, the CRT, the homeschooling that now people are doing because they don't want their kids going to school. But you have a different view on that. You said this is an exciting time. Why do you think that? You know, um, if we didn't, if if you didn't want to be here, you wouldn't you wouldn't have been here. You know what I mean? One of the things that um, uh, people, uh, whether whether they're spiritual or religious, um, people need to remember that the reason why they're here is because they made that decision somewhere, some way, in some form, at some point. They kind of knew. We all knew what we were getting involved in. This was this was the time that we were gonna we were gonna be here, and these are the things that we were gonna go through. And I think that um, when you see all of these changes happening, uh, it's one of those exciting opportunities to realize that we're 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 watching the birth of what I would say maybe is a new a new Earth that's very different from the one that you know you, you and I grew up in. Uh, I grew up here in New York. I grew up on Long Island. If you had told me um, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, even 30 years ago, if you had told me that um, Donald Trump would be the president of the United States and that America's favorite dad would be incarcerated as a serial rapist, most people would say that you were crazy. Um, that you're talking about Bill Cosby. Yeah, Bill Cosby, Donald Trump. Because 
but but those things have happened. It's almost as if it's like we live in bizarro world. And <laughs> I love that. We're talking, right? about, talking about Jerry Seinfeld, bizarro right. Superman. We absolutely live in bizarro world because all of these things that we had taken for granted as the foundations of our society dating back are now being turned up on their head right now. And we're watching that happen. Uh, you know, I'm not one who puts uh, positive and negative spins on things because for me, those are just based upon the perspective of the person in the moment that they are telling the story about something. So for for me, you know, the, the ego of the individual looks at a scenario and says, well, this is horrible or this is great. Um, when the perspective changes, the story changes. And that which may have once been horrible may now be great. Even if you look at your own life and you look back in the past, the things that happened to you that you... That, that really affected you. And maybe in that moment, you may have said, oh, this is the worst thing to ever happen to me. But then in hindsight, when you look back on it now from a different perspective of the present moment, you may look at it and being like, well, that was actually a great thing that happened to me. And I didn't even realize it at the time. So when people are looking at what's going on now and they're saying, oh, this is so horrible. How could we be living through all of this? What happens in 10, 15, 20 years from now when things are in a different place and we look back and we say, you know something, that really wound up working out for our, for, for the good. And that was better. But we didn't realize it at the time. So for me, when we talk about this being an exciting time to be alive, it's because I'm part of the change. We're living through it. You know? Yeah, but couldn't you say that, see, couldn't you say that about any time? You're yep. only, and that water's for you, by the way, Thank if you, you want to use that water, I forgot to tell you that. So couldn't you say that anyway, but it seems to me like you have a different perspective in the way of thinking. So, and, and, and it's very intriguing to me because not a lot of people think the way you do. And it's almost a trained method, it seems like, in my opinion, on the way that you're thinking. And how you're able to conceptualize and put things into perspective as easily. A lot of people, I believe, live, live in the past. You said ego. Mm-hmm. I think ego has a lot to do with the memories that you have and things that you things that don't ha- haven't happened yet to happen. You think they're going to happen, or how people you people you're afraid that are going to perceive you from what you've done in the past as well. Talk to us a little bit about you, who you are, and how you got you know to where you are. Because you know people don't know everything about you. Is this a, a trained method that you do? Is this something that you had to work on yourself to get to that point? to, you know, be such an, you know, optimistic way of thinking? Well, you know, um, it's interesting that you asked that because I I can say that there was somebody who did show me the way a little bit. And it's actually, it's my uh, my older sister, actually. She's a, she's a professional mythologist, okay? Um, she does a lot of work with personal myth, uh, very familiar, uh, reminiscent of uh, Joseph Campbell's work in the monomyth and the story of the hero's journey. And she showed me the way a little bit and when it came to this. Uh, and and I, I was very fortunate to be paying very close attention to the things that she was teaching me. And it kind of did have a, a, an impact on how my life would then take place. One of the things that you mentioned is about people uh, and their, and their the, the past. Um, the past doesn't exist. Um, neither does the future. The only thing that exists is the present moment. It's the only thing that's real. This moment, this is, this is what's real. This is what exists. The past, if it was to exist, only exists as a story that we tell. 
Um, and we tell that story from the present moment. Same thing with the future. The future doesn't exist either, except as a story. And there is an infinite number of possible stories that we can tell about the past and about the future. And, and none of them are any more right or wrong than, than another story. The thing that changes is the perspective, because that's the, the lens that we experience reality through. We see what's happening through that perspective. So the thing that happened to you that was horrible, that you say was horrible, what happens when the perspective changes and that wound up being the best thing that ever happened to you? You think that's why people suffer? Oh, absolutely. Because they live in the past and they and they ha- they can you know they put this these pictures of what they remember and they harp on it and they're attached to it and they're, and they're attached to those stories because those stories are defining their ego. And when I use the word ego, I'm not talking about like egotism. Um, I'm not. I'm not. It's not an indicator of, of of say self-esteem. It's it's the persona. It's the it's the character that you're playing. All the world's a stage, and we are merely its players, right? Um, you know, the who I am now versus who I may have been at some point in time in the past may not necessarily be the same person, uh, because as we go through this hero's journey, we evolve and we change. So, for me. When I look at what's happening, and, I, and, and the biggest scary stories are obviously about the future, right? The, the stories of the past are often filled with regret, right? But the stories about the future are typically ones that are either uh, fear-based or anxiety-based, especially based upon the amount of programming that we're getting. You know, um, we get programming from you know, the, the, the media and, and other outside elements that program how our ego in the present moment perceives the story of the future that we think is most likely going to be the thing that's going to wind up happening, when in reality, anything can wind up happening. So for me, I'm trying to live in the present moment. Right now, everything's fine. You and I are here. We're chatting. Everything's fine. Nothing to worry about. That's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's an intriguing way that you're looking at it because that's why when I was talking about people suffering and always being attached to the past and why I'm trying to you know, pinpoint exactly how you came to that conclusion. You're like, you know, this is a great time to be alive. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself sure. though and, and your training and what you actually do and why you know, in, in the culmination of things that you're able to say that because I'm very intrigued. Not too many people, let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. Not too many people live in the present. I probably say there's a minute number that, you know. Super rare. Most of us are living in the past or most of us are living in the present and we're never. You mean in the future? In the future, right. And we're never actually living in the present. The present is this this, um, this, this fleeting moment that just kind of, you know, gets bypassed as we fixate and focus our energy and attention on either these stories of the past or these stories of the future. We're never living in the present. Is that where the anxiety you think that people suffer from sure. and the depression that they get because they're not right here? Like you said, we're, everything's fine right now. Absolutely. Right? There's no bombs going off. Correct. No one is dying. Nobody, you know, we're just here. And if one of those crazy stories of the future that you just told wound up becoming the present moment, you know what we would do? We would deal with it. Just like we've dealt with every single other thing in the present moment that we've ever encountered in our lives. The one thing that we have as proof as evidence of our experience is the fact that in all things in the present moment, we dealt with them in order to move on to the next present moment. Take me back to what you said with your sister. So, I, you know, I, I want you to give us a little history of yourself here. Sure. You know, 
it's uh, she she plays an important role in my life because she was actually the first person to buy me a book on homeopathy. Um, speaking about what you had referenced earlier was uh, you know my background. I'm a classical homeopath. Um, homeopathy is the second largest system of medicine on the planet, with over 250 million people using it as their form of healthcare. Uh, Can you define it for us for people that don't know what that is? Sure. So it was discovered by a German physician in the 1800s, and it's built upon the natural law, which means that in all things is a poison and in all things is a cure. It's the dose that matters. So similar substances that can contribute to a certain person's suffering, those symptoms of that person's suffering, that substance could have an opposite effect in someone else. Um, for homeopathy, uh, it's being that it's the second largest system of medicine, uh, the number one typically doesn't like number two on its, on its heels, and therefore there's a lot of controversy with homeopathy. Um, but at the same time, if you take a look at who the users of homeopathy are, the, the royal family uh, has had a uh, homeopathic physician since homeopathy was discovered. The, the Queen of England still carries homeopathic medicines in her purse when she travels. Uh, if you take a look at the you know, uh, Olympic athletes, uh, Usain Bolt, if Usain Bolt has a pain, he's not taking a painkiller to eliminate his pain. He's going to uh, his, his German homeopathic physician who's probably going to give him a homeopathic medicine that will help ease the suffering of the pain without the negative side effects that typically come with being drugged by something. So it's safe to say that the definition in layman's terms would be something that the body can heal itself, right? You're using methods. Absolutely. How the body can heal itself. The body possesses the innate intelligence to heal itself. When you get a cut, you heal that that cut. You heal that wound yourself. It's not the neosporin that you applied to it, and it's not the Band-Aid that applied to it. Your body possesses that innate intelligence to heal itself and to protect itself. Living in this toxic soup that we're living in, sometimes it doesn't do that great a job. So it needs a little bit of a stimulation or a motivation to kind of point it in the right direction. And that's what homeopathic medicines do, is they, they stimulate that innate intelligence in the human organism and says, hey, we have a cut and we're not healing it very well. Pay attention, get to work. And then the body responds by saying, oh, I know what this medicine is about. I know what this homeopathic remedy is about. This is about, you know, uh, healing of, of wounds in the skin. I, I know what to do next. Hold I, on, hold on, hold on. Because this mm -hmm. is very fascinating to mm -hmm. me. Because I'm not one who likes to take Tylenol or pain medication because what I feel, and, you know, I just had this conversation with my, with my girlfriend, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, I hurt my back at the gym. And she's like, in short, her back now is hurting. Mm -hmm. And I have sciatica problems um, in the past. But I don't like taking the Tylenol or the Advil or whatever it is because then I can't really tell what is if it's actually being fixed. I feel like more of it's a, it's a mask. Oh, absolutely. It is like a, a Band-Aid. And then in, you pull off the Band-Aid and then it's still there. After four hours when it wears off, then, and I can't tell if I'm healing myself or if I'm not. Are you saying that the body and the the mind, you yourself, can have a conversation with your body and, and there's a way of healing it? Like, explain it a little bit in well, more detail what you're trying to say that this whole thing is about. Think about it when it comes to your back. You hurt your back. You were in the gym. You were working out. You hurt your back. Your body's telling you, you hurt your back. Stop, s s you know, rest. 
take it easy. Stop stop straining yourself. How does your body do that? Does your body send a send a you know write a letter or send an email? No, your body sends out a signal. And what does that signal feel like? Pain. That pain is there to tell you, hey, listen, we have something going on here. We've hurt our back. We should probably be taking it a little bit easier. We should probably not be <laughs> so far. So right? Please, yeah. So then what so so what do what do what does the allopathic approach to back pain do? It it says, you know, it takes a painkiller and it says, shh, we don't have time for that nonsense right now. We have stuff to do. Your back pain is inconvenient. We need to move on. Right? Because that's the modern world that we live in. Yes. We ain't got time Quick for fix. that. Absolutely. Let's we ain't got go. time for that. We got work to do. We got bills to pay. Get your ass back in the, you know, at work and start moving. And, you know, take this every four hours, every single time the pain returns so that you are not inconvenienced by the fact that, you know, you have this back pain. But your body and nature would look at it from a different perspective. They would say, well, we hurt our back. We should probably rest. And we should probably rest and recover. You know, who cares about the bills? Who cares about the work? You know, our body is sending us a signal that says, hey, listen, this is an issue that we're working on here and we want to bring it to your attention so that you can, you know, act accordingly, basically. And that's what the signal of, of you know, the, the, the back pain is. The body is always interested in preserving its life and protecting itself from further damage. And that's what symptoms really are. They're not these things that happen to us that are inconvenient and quote unquote bad. They're signs of the body protecting itself. Trying to have a conversation with itself and saying, hey, listen, you know, and it's, but how much is that with the consciousness of you, you know, them coming together, your body and your mind trying to become one? Is that something that you study? Is that something that you have to sit down and really try to? you know, get a grasp and a hold of, because I think so many people like what you just said before is they'll just take like, say, a a sports injury. Mm -hmm. Let's just take the cortisone shot, get back in there and see you later. Don't worry about it, whatever. This injury is inconvenient for us right now. We've got a game to play, you know, uh, let's suppress the expression of the pain and and get back in the game. Um, What you're asking is a conversation that has been taking place for a very, 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 very long time, and that is the, the the conversation of vitalism versus materialism. Okay, um, the materialists obviously have, for the most part, won, and um, what material reductionists pretty much have arrived at the conclusion is is that there is no consciousness; it's just brain chemistry. There's no, there are no feelings; they're just hormones. There's physical, material reasons why you're experiencing the experience that you're having here as life. Are you just saying a cause and effect? No, I'm saying is that the, 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 the prevailing sentiment is, is that we are bags of organs and bones that we are driving around in space in. And everything has a physical, gross, material reasoning behind it. Homeopaths, on the other hand, though, are vitalists. We believe that you have a, uh, you have thoughts and we believe that you have feelings and we believe that there is some sort of animating force, whether you want to call it your soul, you want to call it chi, you want to call it whatever you like, but there is something that animates the physical body, okay? And it's the combination of all of those bodies, the mental one, the emotional one, and the physical one that we have to honor and take into consideration 
if we're going to be able to have that communication, that conversation with what's going on in our bodies. Do you think that if you don't have that type of relationship with your body, with your emotions, with your body when it tells you that it's hurt, when your body tells you that it's sad, whatever it may be, but there's different things that are going on. Do you think that that is one of the reasons why people don't experience true happiness in their life because they are always suppressing those emotions or, you know, again, or not paying attention to those emotions? Does that have anything to do with people that are depressed versus people that are happy? You know, it's when we talk about suppression, it's an offense to the body. It's basically saying to the body, I don't have time for this right now. When in reality, you may need to have time for it because there's a reason why you're experiencing it. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you the typical example that we see in modern, uh, in modern life right now, especially when it comes to children and it comes to development. You know, the body's born and we've arrived in, on this planet. And because we've been you know, floating around in, you know, you know, in, in a in in a sack of fluid in our mothers, and we have the influences of you know what mom ate and what mom breathed, and you know what mom was going through. We've arrived with some buildup of toxicity in our bodies, and as a result of which, our our bodies typically send out a signal. They it'll always pick the least dangerous, the least impactful place to send out the signal that it's got something going on. Okay, and that place is usually on the skin, and that's the reason why we see so many children who are have eczema at some point in time in their lives. They have a skin rash. You go to the doctor, and the doctor is going to say, "Well, listen, I understand that this skin rash here is very inconvenient. It's painful. It's problematic. It doesn't look very attractive. So here's this suppressive cream that we're going to provide for you, and we're going to just we're going to make that go away." Well, the body's still needs to express itself. It still needs to raise that flag to say, hey, listen, we've got something going on. So the next place that typically the body then finds is in the lungs. And then we wind up having a child who has asthma. But again, asthma is inconvenient. We don't have time for that either. So here's a suppressive inhaled steroid that will kind of deal with that because we don't have time for it. So we're going to suppress the expression of the asthma. And then what happens is, is that the body still needs to find another place. The next places on the physical body are going to be pretty dangerous, right? Because we've gone from something like the skin where we have a lot of it to something like the lungs where we have two of them. There are some things that we have only one of, our heart and our brain. A scratch on the skin is, is nothing, but a scratch on the heart or a scratch on the brain is a lot worse. So the body then makes the jump from the physical body to the mental or emotional bodies. And that's the reason why we then see ADHD. We see uh, depression. But again, don't have time for that stuff. So what are we going to take? Another suppressive drug. Ritalin, whatever it may be. Exactly. Absolutely. Because we don't have time for that. And this is the progression of, of suppression. And this is the approach. Now, keep in mind, there's big business in suppressive uh, you know, approaches to health. Um, you got to see your doctor every couple of months to get your you know, prescription filled. And you have to go back for follow-ups and checkups and all those kinds of things. You'll spend you know, your life going to doctors and taking drugs and 
you know, suppressing your symptoms. But life is not about suppression. Life is about expression. And that's what the body's trying to do. It's struggling. We live in this toxic soup. You know, it's it's crazy because I'm really into this and I, and I do some research in regards to say, when you're feeling ill, mm-hmm. right? And people get the flu or they get a common cold. And what I've read, and I never really looked into it in the way that you're doing, what you're saying, I mean, I guess kind of, but let, let's just take, for instance, when you wake up and you start getting your, you know, you're congested, mm-hmm. right? What you're saying basically is the body's telling you, hey, listen, we have an acidic buildup, basically. The body's not in an alkaline type stage. We have this buildup inside the body that, you know, we have to get rid of this mucus, mm-hmm. right? And we, and we got to do it this way. And it goes through, like you said, through your nose, where you're coughing, right. whatever it may be. But what we do, what majority of people do is, I'm not feeling well, let me go to the doctor. Sure. And then the doctor does what? Gives you an antibiotic. Right. Right. And says, listen, this is going to help you get better. But really, at the end of the day, your body's telling you, hey, listen, there's something else going on mm-hmm. here. It's acidic. And when you're acidic, other things can start happening. Other things can start growing within your body because it's in an acidic stage. You know, you, you kind of take it like the pool, right? When the pool is green, it's an acidic stage, mm-hmm. right? When it's in an alkaline state, it is crystal clear, it's blue. You don't see all this stuff growing, all this bad bacteria growing in the pool or whatever it may be. But people don't realize that your body's actually communicating with you. Correct. And telling you, hey, listen, we have a problem here. So instead what we do, and and that's why I think you said it perfectly, we then go right away, we need the quick fix. I gotta get back to work. I can't, I only have two days that I have off. Exactly. You know, I can't afford, you know, I got a vacation coming up. I gotta make sure I do this. So what do you do? You get the antibiotic. It, get, it suppresses it for, you know, a, a little bit, but it doesn't really it doesn't really address the real problem within. Sure, absolutely. And the thing is, is that, you know, um, like I said, it's about that, it's about that uh, convenience factor. You know what I'm saying? In other words, what's the alternative? Your body doesn't know about your bills. Your body doesn't know about your work schedule. You know, your body, it has like one function, which is to protect itself and preserve life. So it's going to do the things that it needs to do in order to preserve that life. You know, you have a buildup of toxicity. I like toxicity better than I like acidic or alkaline um, because it, it, it just goes to show you what we're dealing with. You know, you have a buildup of toxicity in your body and your that innate intelligence I was talking about gets activated. And now all of a sudden the body wants to wants to heal itself, wants to protect itself and fix itself. So it raises its temperature, right? This is a, this is a really classic example because people you know most people know what you know most people are afraid of fevers right so the body raises its temperature why is the body raising its temperature well the body's raising its temperature to cook off a lot of that you know toxic accumulation that the body has accumulated over time by like i said living in this toxic soup the air that we breathe the food that we eat the, the water that we drink the 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 mental and emotional influences that we have in society and such and we've built up this level of toxicity in our bodies and now our bodies are, are deciding that we're going to do something about it. So it raises its temperature. And what's the first thing that we do when the fever goes up? We reach for the Tylenol. It's kind of like shooting the guard dog as people are breaking into your house. It's not the thing to be doing at that moment. That's a good point. That's a right? good way of, of, of saying that, yeah. Is the body going to raise its temperature to such an extent that it will wind up injuring itself? I don't believe so. So what do we do when we have fever? 
rest. We rest. We, 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 we hear the communication that the body is sending us, the signals, and we rest. We stay. We, we don't eat, right? In other words, we don't eat. Why, why don't we eat? Well, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, you know, 30% of the calories that you consume in red meat go towards the digestion of that red meat. So maybe instead of wasting our energy that we have on digesting food so then be able to use it as a fuel source, instead we saved that energy to heal ourselves, autophagy, and for our bodies to, you know, regenerate themselves because that's what the body will do. It's the reason why there's the benefit of the water fast when you're sick. When you're sick, don't eat, keep hydrated, drink water, and get a lot of rest because what we're doing in that circumstance is we're letting the body do its job. Now, I had, I had mentioned that sometimes- Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, mm-hmm. because I, I just want to break that down a little bit. Sure. So when you're saying there's some type of illness that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. let's just say you, you're sick and you're feeling under the weather, you have right. a fever, whatever it may be. So you're saying instead of having your body break down, say, this meat, this red meat while you're sick and use all of its energy in trying to digest mm-hmm. which red meat takes a while for you to digest. Absolutely. Don't eat that red meat. Don't let your body waste all of its energy that way. Mm-hmm. Just do this water fast because the fluid just comes in and out of you. It's less to digest and then it could concentrate on the real problem of whatever it's making you feel ill. Sure. And you have you have you have fuel stores in your body. You've packed it away in regards to fat. So you have fuel stores to power the body through. That's the reason why they say that you can go a very long period of time without eating, but you can go very little point of time without drinking water. Water is, is really the thing that we need to be doing in those circumstances. So the body's going to use its fuel stores that it has towards that healing process, that autophagy process where we're going to wind up, you know, restoring our health. It's the the biggest thing that people need to realize is that symptoms are not a bad thing. They're a sign of the body, you know, um, exercising its, uh, its robust function to preserve life. When you eat something that's not good for you, Okay, let's say you ate something that was White Castle. Right. You know, when you go to every time anytime then right. when I was younger, I ate White Castle. Right. I'd feel sick. What did the body do? It vacated that stuff as fast as possible because it wasn't good to have sitting around. Right. So if you ate bad sushi, right, that was contaminated with bacteria, what does the body do to protect you? It causes you to throw up. It causes you to throw up and uh, you know, and probably to have diarrhea, sometimes even at the same moment. And you know, all of a sudden, the body's spending so much time working on getting this stuff out of you. It's you know the best example is I can give you in regards to homeopathy is 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 the case of an onion. When you slice an onion, what happens? When you slice an onion, the toxic chemicals in onion juice wind up permeating the air around you, and they affect your eyes. Uh, how does your body protect itself? Tears. Because what are the tears doing? They're flushing the toxic chemical, the noxious chemical out of your eyes so that you don't go blind. If you didn't produce the tears and you sat around in a room that had, you know, you're cutting onions in all day long, there's a good chance that you might. Those toxic chemicals could damage your eyes. So to protect your eyes, your body produces the tears and the tears start to flow and they flush that toxic chemical out. This is a sign of the body protecting itself from further damage. But some people will look at, you know, things like uh, excessive tear production as being 
problematic as, as an indication of a problem. Now, where homeopathy comes into play is that let's say you had those t- eyes that were tearing constantly, nose that's running, and there were no onions that were being cut. There was no reason for it to happen. Maybe they call it quote-unquote hay fever or seasonal allergies. But for some reason, your body is producing tears and nasal discharge, and there really isn't a reason why it should be doing that. But it's, like I said, sometimes you know it gets a little wonky. Sometimes the body struggles to do its job. When I give a homeopathic medicine that's made from onion juice, okay, it will resolve that tear production and nasal discharge. Why? Because onion juice in its raw form will cause you to have tears and nasal discharge if I overexpose you to it. So this is the principle of homeopathy called like cures like. Uh, The thing that would cause suffering in one individual, that same substance could resolve that similar suffering in another individual. So when you don't have any sort of reason, you wake up, it's a May day, and your eyes are just constantly tearing, and your nose is constantly running, and you're suffering, maybe it's a homeopathic medicine that's made from onion juice that gives a signal to the body and says, hey, we got something going on. And the body recognizes the onion juice. It's like, oh, wait, I know what this stuff is. This is that stuff that makes my eyes tear and my nose run. Oh, I got that going on right now. Oh, hold on a second. I got the message. I understand. I'll get working on it. And then that innate intelligence of the human organism starts getting activated and it starts fixing that pathological suffering with the tears and the nasal discharge. It's almost as if you're saying, right? It's almost as if you're saying there's a little bit of a glitch in the, you know, like, almost like in, a computer. Living in the toxic soup and you're going to have things that are going to impact performance. So it's almost as if, hey, listen, we got to implement this onion juice mm-hmm. to trigger the body to stimulate, you know, to recognize, hey, listen, this is what's going on. You're tearing, you're whatever it is that you, you know, you, you're saying. And then it turns it back on and says, oh, okay, I got it. Your body remembers what happens when it's exposed to onion juice. And if all of a sudden your body recognizes, oh, I have that situation going on right now, but there's no onions around me. Why is that happening right now? Maybe we're, we, like I said, maybe the body's, you know, having a little bit of difficulty in that moment. And that's the reason why homeopathic medicines then kind of come into play and say, hey, listen, we're going to serve as like a blueprint for you. This, this homeopathic medicine made from, allium, made from onion juice called Allium Sepa, it's going to serve as a blueprint for your body to follow, right? It's a roadmap. Your body recognizes it and says, oh, I know what this is about. This is about nasal discharge and, you know, tear production. And I'm having that problem right now. I know how to resolve that because I've resolved that in the past when I've been exposed to these things. I don't want to get too religious here mm-hmm. in, in, in a way or, or maybe it is in a religious way. But something that I, you know, as you're talking here that made me, uh, you know, think of this is when you're saying the onion, right? Mm-hmm. That's a natural food. Mm-hmm. You could say in a religious way, that's what God, this is God's creation here. Mm-hmm. In your studies and in what you do in your line of work, do you believe then that God has given us every type of medicine that we need in an organic fashion, say apples, say an organic fruit, maybe it's oranges, whatever it may be that, that has you know enriched in vitamin C? Sure. Do you think that God has given us every single thing that we need here 
And I'm not talking about an antibiotic. I'm not talking about a man-made substance. The natural system. The natural way of doing things. Sure. Are, is that what you're saying, basically, that we have at our, you know, at our you know, disposal? We're part of the natural system. So we're part of the whole. And the whole system is designed in such a way to preserve life. So I absolutely think that there are... When, when, when Hahnemann, the doctor who had discovered homeopathy in the 1800s, he didn't discover this natural law. This natural law dates back to the Enlightenment philosophers. This, this natural law dates back to people like Pericles. You know, in all things there is the poison and in all things there is the cure. It's the dose that mattered, right? The overexposure of onion juice causes your eyes to tear and your nose to run. So that's the poison. So when you have a situation where your eyes are tearing and your nose is running, then the dose matters. And instead of giving you a toxic dose that would cause that suffering, we're going to give you a minute dose, which will resolve the suffering, which will stimulate the body to recognize what it needs to do. And that's, that's the basic principle of homeopathy. Um, if ever there was a time and a place right now to, for, for homeopathic medicine to kind of shine, it's in the things that are going on in the world today. Because for homeopathic medicines to work, they need to be individualized. They need to take into consideration that individual suffering. You know, when I came into the studio and I was talking to, you know, uh, the two of you guys here, I was saying how, well, you know, a headache for you maybe require a different medicine than a, a headache for him. Because... We're individuals. The introvert gets a different medicine than the extrovert. And that concept is something that is uh, homeopathic, but definitely not been the prevailing concept that we've been operating with. And that's the reason why I'm saying that this is an exciting time to be alive is because we're learning new dance steps. We used to look at things like education, one size fits all. We used to look at things like medicine as one size fits all. And what we're beginning to realize is that there's a benefit in individualizing all of these things, education, healthcare, taking into consideration what makes the individual unique. The kid who can't sit still probably needs to be taught differently than the kid who can sit at the seat for eight straight hours. So we need to individualize that child's education, just like we need to individualize medicine. So the headache medicine that you need is going to be different than the headache medicine that I might need. And that's because we're different people. Yeah, I have a chillier disposition. You see me wearing my, my sweater, whereas you are very comfortable in your T-shirt. You see what I'm saying? So we're different people, and therefore we need different medicines to address health complaints. So if ever there was a time, it's like right now, because that's what we're all figuring out right now. We're all figuring out that treating everybody as if there's no difference between any of us is not working. And what we're starting to do, and you start seeing this with the rise of homeschooling and you start seeing this with the rise of people considering alternative approaches to healthcare is that they want to be recognized as somebody that's different. But it, so let's take the healthcare system for a second here now. Because what you're saying is individualize people. They come in. But doctors, when you go to a doctor, a regular doctor, pediatrician mm -hmm. for your kid, whatever it may be, <clears throat> I don't feel like they're doing that. That no. they're, 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 you know, it's just a one size fits all. You have a headache, take this. You have a fever, 
take that. And no one's really sitting down and doing it. But what you're saying is, is in your line of profession, it's the opposite. But how do you get more people then to get persuaded into doing that because of the money? It's so much money that is involved in going to the regular doctor, giving them the antibiotics, right? The doctor gets money because he knows that he's gonna come back. He's not really fixing the issue. You may come back again for a second visit mm -hmm. and stuff of that nature. The pharmaceutical, big pharma, they're making money off of making these medicines that are really just masking the whole type of situation, not really curing the situation. Even the administration of these medicines is just further proof of that we ain't got time for that, right? You ever been as a doctor? How much time they spend finding out about you? Do they ever ask you what your diet's like? Do they ever ask you what sort of supplements you're on? Do they ever ask you any of that stuff other than, you got a headache? All right, here's Excedrin. You know, it, it, it's funny that you say that because, well, it's actually said that you say that because they don't, they don't ask. They don't have time. And if, if you have a headache and you're going there and you have severe headaches, they don't sit there and say, so tell me about your life. What's going on in your life right now? Are you in a relationship? Have you just broken up in a relationship? Did That's what I do. And that's the difference. They are only giving you seven minutes, I think it is. It's on average, I think it's between seven and 12 minutes because the insurance companies are only compensating them for around seven to 12 minutes. When you go to your, like, your, your regular checkup, your regular physician for like a- I didn't know that. Wait, is that is that really true that yeah. the insurance companies are saying every time you visit a patient, we're only gonna pay up to a certain amount? In other words, they, they in order to meet the needs of the numbers of people that are coming in the door, and in order to maximize their compensation to address all of those issues, they really don't get much more time. They can sit and spend an hour like I spend with the people I work with, but then think of all the people that wouldn't get seen by the end of the day. And those people, their services are being paid for by their insurance carriers. So therefore, they need to be seen, but we're not going to have time to see them if we actually spend time finding out about all of these things for people. And that's the difference is in the approach, is that they don't have the time. The doctor, too. Well, that's right. The, the doctor, the more people that they see, the more money that they're getting. They right. spend each an hour each time. Right. I mean, for me, when I do a consultation with somebody, I sit there for over an hour with them. And I and I find out all of these things. I'm not just finding out about the headache. I'm not just finding out about the skin rash. I'm finding out about what was going on in their life when these things started, how they feel about certain things. Everybody's different and everyone's unique. You know, you asked about like, you know, well, well what's kind of contributing towards people to consider this kind of thing? And I think that one of the best examples that we have is the effect and the results that allopathic medicine has had for all of us. I know, I, I know there is a, a significant amount of the population that would say, well, well, you know, thank, thank God for, for allopathic medicine because it saved my life. And again, remember, this is a story that's being told of the past and from the perspective of the present moment, right? The parent whose kid doesn't have eczema anymore because they use a topical steroid, they're absolutely thrilled that their child was cured of eczema because of the hydrocortisone that they applied to their skin. The fact that they developed asthma six months later is totally unrelated because the asthma's lungs. It's not skin. Skin's skin. It's two separate systems, two separate things. You said that twice now. You brought that example. Eczema to asthma. asthma. Mm -hmm. Do you have any 
findings or any studies or anything that you've done to make you reach that conclusion, saying it two times? Is there something that we like? We all see it. You, I mean, you can all you can all you, you can all see it. If find an ex, find an asthma person and ask them if they had eczema when they were a child, and the answer is nine times out of ten is yes. But it was cured. It was cured with the topical steroid that was applied that suppressed the expression. It blows my mind well, that, you, that, that this this is actually happening. Go deeper. Go deeper and go look at the people who have ADHD. Go look at the people who have seasonal depression. They'll tell you the story. They'll tell you. if you know, Ask their parents. You know what I mean? And they'll tell you, yeah, you know, you did have a little bit of a rash, but I used a cream on it and it went away. And they think that that's cured. That's not cured. That's suppressed. We ain't got time for this. So we're going to put this on and we're going to move on. And then the fact that something comes up later is just a coincidence. Okay, so now we're going to have to talk about, because this is obviously leading into a lot of different things that are happening into today's society. Mm -hmm. First, let's talk about when children are born, Mm -hmm. right? And right away, children get vaccinated with Mm -hmm. all sorts sorts of different vaccines. Mm -hmm. And they do that so they, you know, from what I am told, I'm not a doctor, that you do that to expose the child to that type of disease so then that body can react to it and knows what it is is that something that you think is is sufficient to do is that something or do you think that the person is not going to be able to then flush that out completely like you know yes that we were exposed to it at that time but that could also then lead to something else happening down the road because you put that in the child's body you know, it, it has a lot to do with how these things are manufactured um, because it's it's not just this little uh, – it's not just this uh, bacteria or some substance that we're exposing the child to so that their body develops a recognition of that substance and therefore knows how to mount a defense down the line. Because in order for that product to be injected into a child, it needs to be preserved. It needs to be manufactured. There's a lot of that goes into that. And some of those things aren't necessarily going to be in the best interest of the child. Um, I don't uh, – remember when I, I was saying how the body has this innate intelligence to protect itself. So if the body is going to encounter a substance down the line at some point in time in its life, it doesn't need – didn't need to have like a, a a prep course on how to address it beforehand. It's part of the natural system. It it knows what to do. It you know it will it will produce the symptoms that are necessary in order for the body to resolve this stuff. But again, again, remember we live in a toxic soup, so not everybody does a great job of that, and sometimes it gets stuck and it needs a little bit of a stimulation in order to help it move forward. But when it comes to you know the vaccine, I think that. Again, it's it's that whole um, shooting the guard dog while you're getting you know your house broken into. It's 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 not necessarily in the individual's best interest, but it is in someone's interest, right? In other words, it's definitely in someone's interest. These things are making billionaires every day. So I definitely know that there's a handful of people out there who are who are billionaires now that weren't billionaires then because they were either invested or involved in the production of vaccines, and as a result of which they're they're doing pretty good, right? Yeah. At least in in regards to what they may think is an indication of success. So what happens is is that you know 
do, do animals vaccinate their their their, their young in, in nature? In other words, like do wild animals vaccinate their 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 offspring in nature? Probably not. <laughs> no, I don't think no, so. because I don't think so because they'll deal, they'll deal, and that's and that's part of what's happening now is is that you know rather than deal, I mean, God forbid, a child gets a skin rash that ninety nine point nine of them survive, and in the getting of that chicken pox or that skin condition, their body actually gets trained in such a way so that it actually prevents them from developing cancers in the future. Um, and by the exposure to it and the exposure to people who used to have it. You know who used to have the, the, the lowest uh, rates of, of shingles? Pediatricians. Why did pediatricians have such a low rate of shingles? Because they're always exposed to it. Always exposed to kids with chickenpox, right? So now what do we do? Well, you know, we vaccinate the kids for chickenpox. Um, and then they don't get chickenpox anymore. So it's a success, just like the topical steroid is successful at curing the child's eczema, right? I don't know about that. My point being is, is that... Now, without the expression of the chickenpox, the pediatricians are not being re-exposed in their later years. And as a result of which, there's the greater chance of them having that thing that they had when they were a child reactivate in the form of shingles. But it's okay because we have a vaccine for that too. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And it's just masking everything. Right. I, I wanted to – I want to bring something else because uh, from what you're saying and just, just so – you know, it just popped into my mind just now. So we have we have COVID nineteen right now, and when the studies that are that you know people are saying, the scientists and what they're saying is the people that have comorbidities mm -hmm. are the people that are suspect you know susceptible to being hospitalized and die. Mm -hmm. I want to take your analogy, what you said before, that the body right, you want the body to make sure that if it's dealing with an illness, that's all it's dealing with. It's not dealing with other things at the same time because. You know, for example, it's dealing, you know, 25% of your body's dealing with something else on the side while, say, COVID 19 comes in. Maybe another 25% because you're overweight, because you have heart disease. So your body's dealing with that and can't 100% combat, say, COVID 19, as opposed to, say, a child mm -hmm. that is young, that is strong, that's not overweight, that doesn't have heart disease yet because the child's heart's only seven years old. Exactly. Is that exactly, if you take that analogy from what you're saying, is that exactly what's going on that the people that are in high risk are people that have other things that are going on that they weren't, like say overweight, that they weren't addressing, that your body was telling you that something was going on, but you just kept, ah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And now they get COVID and is that why they're in such a high risk of immortality, you know, of mortality, of, of dying? Well, I mean, I'm sure that the hospitals and the, and, the, and the medical establishment would remind you that there's tons of of healthy, crunchy, organic eating, wake up every morning, go for a run, take, you know, uh, treat the body as a temple people who are who are unvaccinated and therefore dying in hospitals left and right. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of them. I mean, I, I would I would consider that a lot of those people, people in my social circle, I can't say I know too many of them that are having that kind of issue. And many of them have had something that resembles what they're calling COVID kind of thing come up and they they, they they're they're just fine. You know, they're just, they're just fine. I think that um, part of the thing that we need to 
realize is is that we're we're doing it backwards. We're doing it wrong. The body is going to protect itself. The body is going to going to going to heal itself um, without intervention. So when we're doing it backwards, we're going to intervene with a substance that's going to actually be harder for the body to do what, what it's what is innate in it to do. People will say to me, they'll say, but Jonathan, vaccines are the greatest thing, you know, that, that humanity has ever created because, look, we give all of these people vaccines and then they don't develop these signs of, of suffering anymore. And that's just like this topical uh, steroid does to the eczema, okay? That doesn't cure it. That just suppressed it. Um, Jonathan, my kid gets sick, but you know something? Thank God. Never throws a high fever. Uh, that's not the sign of a robust immune system. The sign of a robust immune system is that the body, when, 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 when needing to protect itself, raises its temperature nice and hot, cooks it off, and you know, gets, gets back to work kind of thing. The people who are sick... Um, with very low-grade fevers and last for weeks versus the people who throw a super high fever and get over it in 24, 48 hours. Which one to you seems like a more robust immune system protecting the body from suffering? The person who's sick for a, you know, a week or so with, with, with a muscle achiness and pain, um, and is suffering with it for for a week or two, or the person who burnt up a high fever, 103, you know, stays on the couch, sleeps it off, nothing but water. But no, but there's no antibiotics on either one of them. No. Oh, it's the, it's the latter. Of course. Yes. So I thought you were going to say some someone's taking a medication. That's why I paused. So the, so, so the thing is, is that the, the sign of symptoms are a sign of the body's robust innate intelligence that is protecting itself from damage and, and seeking to heal itself. And that's the signs that we want to be seeing. We want to see kids grow up, you know, get chicken pox, stay home, watch cartoons for a couple of days, you know, cook them off and then move on and then develop a lower likelihood of developing certain cancers in the future as the science has demonstrated before. Same thing with other child, typical childhood illnesses. But instead what we're doing is we're, we're vaccinating them and instead of them having this robust immune response where they present these symptoms, they're not. And then we're seeing further damage. We're seeing the asthma show up down the line in the highly vaccinated communities. And that's where I think that we've got it backwards. And that's what I think that we're finding out now. And the, and the best part about why is this an exciting time to be alive is because it's showing everybody just without them being told. They're seeing it. You know, people are, are seeing what's happening right now. And even the most, I mean, even guys like Paul Offit, who the, 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 the doctor who was, you know, uh, 
absolutely, you know, uh, a, a vaccine developer, a, a huge proponent of vaccines. Even he in the beginning was uh, of COVID was suspicious about the benefits of these COVID vaccines. And even he had concerns and even advised, I think, his son to not necessarily even get it. I mean, this is a guy who is, you know, the, the most ag- aggressive uh, crusader against people who question the safety uh, and efficacy of vaccines. You know, a doctor at the uh, at uh, the Children's um, Hospital in um, I think Philadelphia, uh, and even he's taking pause. I mean, like, look what you're seeing right now. You, the, the guy who literally invented mRNA technology is, is on is on Joe Rogan and being censored because he's saying that these things may constitute a crime against humanity kind of thing because we got it wrong. We got it wrong. Uh, when, when, when homeopathy was first discovered in the 1800s by Hahnemann, um, it was allopathic physicians who had grown disillusioned with the, the medicine of the time. Um, at the time, medicine was much more barbaric than it is. Well, I mean, I guess it depends upon your opinion. But in other words, it was very barbaric. Barbers were your, were your surgeons. Um, the barber's pole, the white pole with the red blood running down it. That's, that's uh, the, 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 the red and white pole outside of a barber's uh, shop is for bloodletting. That's what the history is. I had no idea. Okay, so the reason why there's a white I pole. I had no idea. There was something to do with barbersol or something like no, that. bloodletting because that's how you handled health. The, the founding father of this country, George Washington, died from the flu. Mm. Or he died because his doctors bled him to death because that was the approach. When you were sick, they thought you had like bad blood. You had bad vapors and yeah, they had to, they had to release it. So the barbers who had sharp instruments would bleed you and the blood would run down your arm. And that's the image of the barber's pole. But they would bleed you to death. And Hahnemann, the, the, the doctor at the time, and, and others grew disillusioned with that form of medicine and said, this can't be the way. There has to be something else. So he went and he discovered um, natural laws that pointed in the direction that some substances in different dosing is going to wind up having a beneficial effect to the individual by stimulating their vital force, their immune response, to heal itself. What happened then was uh, Hahnemann moved to Paris and, you know, he had this beautiful salon, this beautiful apartment and the wealthy people would pull up their cars and they would wait with their drivers in the cars outside until they were brought up to this beautiful apartment in Paris and they would sit there with this intelligent individual who would ask them a bunch of questions about who they were and what they were going through and he would give them this little white pellet to put in their mouth and He'd send them on their way, and, and, and these people would get better. Very classy, very sophisticated. The, you know, homeopathy was the medicine of the intelligentsia, and, and that's how it developed. Um, the allopathic physicians were losing business, a significant amount of business. Um, the first medical society in this country is the homeopathic one. Why were they losing business, though? Because th- what did they have to offer? Natural. Well, the, the allopathic physicians had, to, had, had the bloodletting, the leeches. Oh. You know what I'm saying? In other yeah. words, that's what they had to offer. They, 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 they'd apply leeches to you and they, or, they would, or, or a lobotomy, right? You're depressed? 
I have just the solution to you. I'm going to take this pole and I'm going to shove it up your nose into your brain. And don't worry, you won't be depressed anymore. This is the, this is the approaches that allopathic medicine had at the time. If you were depressed and you went to see someone like a homeopath, they may give you a, a medicine like Natrum muriaticum or Ignatia or any of these other medicines that, that can have an impact on people's depression. And all of a sudden, these people would, would, the bodies would be stimulated. They would start to resolve that depression. They'd start going through things. And then they would come through on the other end healthy. And that was a bigger, a, 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 a very um, a stark contrast with what was being offered at the time. And that's, you know, that's the reason why like I was saying, is, is that the first medical society in this country is the homeopathic medical society. The AMA was founded afterwards. The AMA had, they didn't like the competition. So in the forming of the AMA, they said you can't be a homeopath. Because remember, homeopaths at the time were medical doctors. The AMA said, well, we're going to create the, this association, but you can't be a homeopath. You can't consult with homeopaths. You can't work with homeopaths. Um, you you Th- that's this is our medicine. We're 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 taking this approach, and then they created a big business behind it um, because certain uh, certain uh, doctors and places would be uh, would be identified by the fact that they were a member of the AMA, and you know you would pay to be in these in these booklets and these pamphlets that would be you know published all over the country so that people knew who to go to. They'd go to a doctor that is a member of the AMA, and it became a tremendous business. And that's the fight that's been happening since the beginning of homeopathy is, is that, you know, it's a fight between us and the allopaths. You know what I'm saying? In other words, you know, find me a homeopath that's making a million dollars a year. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but, but, find me, but find me a surgeon that's making a million dollars a year, and that's pretty probably pretty easy. You see what I'm saying? So there, there's big business. This is the, the joke they always say is that there's no, there's no money in dead people and there's no money in healthy people. The money's in the middle. Where you're, where you're sick and you need someone to continue to keep you go, getting, going forward. So what, what made you, so, so talk to us about how you got introduced to this then. What made you, what were you doing at, in your life? How old were you mm-hmm. that you, all of a sudden, I mean, did you have a condition that something that, you know, you had a scare or something like that you had that made you then get introduced to this type of alternative medicine that you said, you know what? Wow, this is interesting. This is something that I want to look into. Yes. Um, I'd always been kind of in, intrigued by it um, because, you know, maybe because I was more attracted to things that were kind of outside of the, the, the typical scope of things. I, I find that in a lot of parts of my life. Like I said, I'm a home. Uh, I mentioned to you earlier, I'm a homeschooling parent, you know, so that, you know, stepping outside the fold is something that's uh, just seems to be, you know, uh, how I kind of operate. Uh, for for over for 20 years, I worked in executive management. The last 16 of which I was a uh, executive uh, operate managing a uh, luxury uh, residential operation in real estate. And I did that for 16 years. So here you are, you nothing to do zero with any type of Zero. alternative medicine Absolutely. at all. Nothing. Absolutely right. And then I became a parent, 
and I became a parent and I had to, you know, address, you know, my my kids and their health and some of the things that I was seeing maybe didn't make a lot of sense to me. Did you get them vaccinated when they were born? My yeah, um, yes. When we we listened to our doctors who said, well, you know, you have to protect these kids, right? So, you know, um, so you know, we we vaccinated. Um, and if you want them to go into public schools as ab- well, exactly, absolutely. So, so you know, we we listened, and and then all along the way, there were there were things that kind of left us feeling as though maybe maybe everybody doesn't have it right. It's hard to it's hard to kind of come up against. Yeah, but how? But how do you get to there? Like, see, here you are again. You're doing real estate. You're in an executive in an executive position. You have children. But what is what what is it is actually going on that you're sitting there saying what made you question is this the right path is going to the you know the not getting any not getting any better and only getting worse and the there's that maybe internal communication that's saying to you hey listen maybe we should take a step back and we should look at this in an alternative approach uh, I was introduced to a homeopath who who said, well, you know something, I think I can help. And, and I started, you know, talking to them and giving them the opportunity to show me a different approach. The health of my kids since using homeopathy as a system of medicine to manage our health uh, grew tremendously as a result of which. And the things that I would have been concerned about seeing in childhood, I didn't see in them. So give me an example of something that you would have done if you didn't get introduced to then what you did for your kids when you got introduced. I mean, if I, if I, if I didn't take this path, I would, I would be just like everybody else. I mean, I would be vaccinating my kids. I would be taking them uh, to, uh, to, to, to public schools for some other person to shape their minds over the you know, 12 plus years of their lives and to shape their thinking. Uh, I probably would be in a very, very different position than I'm in now. But over time, over over years of 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 using homeopathy at home and and seeing the benefits in my family, and then and then in other people. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is so your kids, mm-hmm. right? Give me an example that when you said. You're married, right, mm-hmm. with your wife, and obviously you have to have a conversation with your wife. Your wife may have said at the time, okay, we have to take the kid to the doctor. The kid's not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And there had to be a conversation at one point that you said, you know what, whether it was from you or it was her idea or whatever it was, we're not taking the kid to the doctor today. The kid's got a fever. The kid's not feeling well. The kid's got eczema. eczema, eczema what is it? Uh, eczema. Eczema. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it. So we're gonna we're gonna try a different approach. What was what what was that? Do you do you remember? Do you recall? Sure. I mean, my kids, you know, um, my my kids did develop eczema and were given topical steroids in order to address that. I remember one day we were we were jumping on the bed, and I remember I could hear a wheeze in her in her breathing that was never there before. This is after giving. The, the steroid over and over and over again, topical steroid over and over again. I heard a wheeze that was never there anymore. It had never been there. We stopped with the topical steroid, and the wheeze was gone. Later, uh, later uh, days of jumping on the bed, the wheeze was gone. Uh, and then I had a, a close friend who was an acupuncturist, and I told him this. And, and he said to me, 
um, he said, because this isn't how it, it works. And I asked him what he meant by that. And he started to explain to me how the body protects itself and how some of these approaches are not necessarily in the body's best interest, but instead are more towards some other interest of um, speeding things along and uh, not having time to deal with this and not dealing with the inconvenience of illness. You know, it's a kid wakes up with a fever, you know, <laughs> 20 years ago, your kid wakes up with a fever. It probably happens even to these days. But a kid wakes up with a fever, the, you know, <laughs> give him the Tylenol, send the kid to school. Oh, yeah. Right? How many times did you have, remember, as a kid? Right, of course. Oh, you know, he's not feeling well or every the kid's single, got his head down. Every, take a nap. Right. You know, uh, Billy's not feeling well. He's going to take a little nap and he puts his head on the desk and that's the end of it. That would never happen today. Ever. Those days are Gone. My mom's not keeping me home on the couch and resting and just, you know, taking it easy and low stimulation and, 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 and no. No. <laughs> or even when you used to go to work, I'm sure when you were doing real sure. estate, somebody wasn't feeling well. They have a runny nose. They're blowing their nose constantly. Take, take, take well. Yeah. And, take, you would take, say, and you would actually say to them, just stay away or don't drink my, out of my drink. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing you were concerned about. Right. Because we don't have time. We just don't have time for this nonsense, this suffering. We have bills to pay. We've got work to do. So take a day, Quill, and get back to work. Uh, so when I kind of when I saw that, it's it, you know what I think that in a lot of things I asked the question that they asked uh, when Caesar was killed. Uh, when 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 Caesar was killed, the, the question that was asked was qui bono, who benefits? And I started to question, well, who benefits from me doing that? Doing what? Time. Doing what? Suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. my kids' natural giving her expression, the, the ointment or whatever, whatever it is. is. Exactly, yeah. giving her the Tylenol when there's a fever. Giving the, you know, giving uh, Benadryl when there's an allergy. You know, giving uh, you know a topical steroid when there's eczema. Who benefits from this? And I was, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have people in my life who kind of pointed me in the direction and said, I don't know if this is in her best interest. I don't know if this benefits her. I know this benefits the system and the life. You can go to work and she can go to school and, and that kind of stuff. But I don't know if that truly benefits the individual. Imagine if we didn't have any of this modern life. Imagine if we were still living out in the in the in the caves, so to speak. Would you have to would you would you would you be in a rush to get to the office or something like that and therefore can't deal with the the cough or the cold or the fever or the flu that you've got and therefore you know need to take something to suppress that no if you if you lived in the caves you would probably you know take that as a signal to rest and you would rest and you wouldn't eat and you would drink and then you would rest and then all of a sudden you'd start getting stronger and you get start getting stronger and you start getting stronger and then you'd be back to normal and then you move back out on your life and I think that that's an approach that is something that we're looking more and more at as being something that maybe we took a wrong path here. Who benefits? Qui bono? Who benefits when I when I give the Tylenol or I give the topical steroid? Well, I just I just paid for something, so somebody got paid. Yeah, you know what I mean. And 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 when we you know when we think about it, we're talking about a, a, a global multi-trillion-dollar industry that's built on. You know, the the administration of drugs that suppress symptoms and allow people to conceivably go about their business. And that keeps the system running. And that keeps the whole system running. Aside from the fact that you've got people's 
retirements vested in these, you know, organizations. And, and uh, you know, the, the fact that our global financials are built upon the success of an industry that is, you know, trying to help people get through their day, right? Get to the office, even though you've got a cold or a flu. Uh, so it, it becomes it becomes a whole big system that I feel like now we're looking at that system and saying, well, just like I did, uh, I don't know if this serves me. I don't know if this serves me as an individual. What did you do then? So, so you saw this, you talked to your, your friend mm -hmm. and they said- A friend well, of mine is an acupuncturist. Acupuncturist. Yep. And then what did you do? I mean, you have a regular job, sure, right? Tell us, give us a little. So we started. We started. We, we started working with acupuncture. We started learning more. We started changing our diets. You know, we started. We started reducing the exposure to toxic elements in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts. So maybe we're we're not watching as much toxic television. Maybe we're not uh, listening to as much toxic music. Maybe we're not eating as much toxic food. Um, you know, they, they they say is that there's there are there are no diseases. There's only one disease, and it's toxicity. In other words, because we're constantly being exposed to these toxic elements, so we start reducing those things. We're working with a homeopath now, uh, and we're seeing we're seeing things that are improving. We're seeing things that are changing, and we're seeing you know growth in places where uh, otherwise we were kind of stalled and stagnated. And the more and more I started involving myself in this knowledge and in, in, in learning about homeopathy, the more I realized, well, this is probably something that I should spend more time doing. So I enrolled in a school, a professional program, uh, the International Academy of Classical Homeopathy, which is founded by George Vitalkis, who is one of the uh, leading figures in homeopathy on the planet. And I, and I took a three-year program with them. Uh, that was here on the island? It, or know, is it we, virtual? Well, it's, the school is actually in Greece, but the, the, the campuses that are outside of Greece are online. Um, and there's campuses in, 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 in Russia and in you know, Europe and in the United States and all over the world. Uh, when you're a European medical doctor and you want to get training in homeopathy, this is the program that you go to. You know, here in the States, we're just a bunch of quacks, and that's fine um, because I've never really cared about what people thought about me. Uh, but it's the same education that I would get if I was an MD in, you know, uh, in, you know in, in Scotland and went to Greece for a, a period of time in order to study homeopathy. When you're, when you're studying, and like, just give us maybe a little bit uh, basic background on treating people, right? Mm -hmm. So, do you have to learn about foods? Do you have to learn about certain types of um, what what the people are doing? Like, how do you how do you mm -hmm. have say a patient comes in right and they have a headache? Mm -hmm. How do you go about diagnosing that? How do you go about sitting down with that person and then giving them some type of remedy to fix it? Give it you it's, know take us through. It's that. funny because you you use a lot of doctor talk uh, because that's your experience and that's where you're coming from. That's so all I know. Exactly, that's all you know. So you think about things like diagnosing things and you think about treating things and you think about, uh, whereas we don't, that's not what we do. Um, for us- What did I say that triggered doctor talk? Well, those words specifically. Diagnose. We don't diagnose. Okay. And, and we don't treat. Um, remember, we're the alternative medicine. So it's a very, very different approach. For me, the biggest thing is is being able to hear the conversation that an individual's body is having with itself, okay? The conversation that the individual's body is having is 
is spoken through its symptoms. So when I have a, a client come to sit with me and the reason why they're coming to me is because they are suffering from a skin condition and I'm talking to them and I'm looking at this person, you and I are, 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 are engaged and there's a, a little bit of liveliness, so to speak, in how we're communicating with one another. But this person is withdrawn. This person is much more silent. This person is not as engaged. This person is more trapped inside. So I start asking questions about the skin condition that they have, and I find out that, well, it's not just a skin condition that I'm suffering with. They're also suffering from food intolerances. Uh, certain things that they eat cause them to break out in a, in a rash or you know, to have worse skin conditions based upon certain specific foods that they're eating. And I Are start, you saying that the, the food that the people eat could depend on the type of mood that they're in. Well, what I'm saying is, is that when I find out that the person who has a skin rash and that is aggravated by certain foods that they eat, and I see that the person's personality, their mental emotional state, is one that appears to me to be trapped in a state of grief, I ask them a question. I say, well, when did this start? And the answer is, well, all of this started when I broke up with my boyfriend. I say, oh, okay, that's interesting. So here we have this toxic exposure to a shocking incident that happened where they broke up with their boyfriend. And the body then responded. And remember, the body's going to pick the least injurious place to express the fact that it's going through something. So rather than all of a sudden plunge the person into a state of depression, which would be a much more dangerous place, it's going to show itself on a... uh, a, a more um, an easier going place in the skin okay but the thing is is that I'm not addressing the skin problem as if it was solely a skin problem because it's not uh, you can't separate the parts for the whole it's and that's the reason why we don't treat people or diagnose people is that we're essentially we're honoring the individual so now here I know I've got a person who suffered uh, a loss and is now looks to be to be trapped in a state of grief and as a result of which is now suffering with a skin complaint we have what we have an index of homeopathic medicines the FDA indexes our medicines for us and we have an extensive catalog of uh, experience about the effects that these medicines have on people and I find a homeopathic medicine that suffers from ailments of grief and also can develop skin complaints and when I give when I suggest that that person take that medicine and they take it and then I do a follow-up with them and the camera turns on because at the time that I'm referring to a specific case and at the time the camera turns on and I see her she's alive with the first time the camera went on at the time I was not in New York I was away and I, I, I worked with her the camera went on and you could see that she was uh, standoffish and she was withdrawn and she was only giving me just the information that I was looking for you know and really wasn't alive but now she's taking the medicine and, and a month or two has gone by and she's beaming as soon as the camera turns on and I say oh my god you're so much different now and she goes oh I'm totally different now and now she's excited to share with me all of these different things that have changed in her since taking that medicine because that medicine stimulated something in her that medicine stimulated something that said hey listen we're stuck in this state based upon this thing that happened to us we're trapped in this state of grief 
And as a result, we're suffering. We've been trying to let you know that for this period of time by sending out these signals with this rash. Well, I gave her a medicine, a homeopathic medicine that stimulated that, and her body responded and said, oh, I know what this medicine is about. This medicine is about the fact that I'm stuck and trapped in the state of grief, and therefore I need to get my ass in gear and start fixing it. That medication that you're giving that you're, you know, to the to the patient, mm-hmm. what, not, not, you know, whether you could tell me what exactly it is or, I it's, mean, is it organic? Is it, is it? It's actually the medicine that I gave in that circumstance was Natrum muriaticum, which is sea salt. Really? Yeah. Natrum, how do you say it again? Natrum muriaticum. Natrum. It, it, it's, it's sea salt. You know, it's again, the, the, the concept of the onion juice, right? In other words, an overexposure of a certain substance will cause certain symptoms in a person. And for somebody who has those symptoms, the minute dose of that same substance will resolve those symptoms. Um, chamomile tea. Okay, you drink too much chamomile tea, you become an extremely angry person. Go drink a gallon of, of, of chamomile tea every day for three or four days. You will be a pissed and bitter and angry individual. Why is that? Because that's just the effect that chamomile has when you, when you have a mild toxicity to it. I'll give you an example. Because uh, this is a homeopathic medicine that everybody knows and it's, it's slightly controversial. The, the belladonna. You ever heard of belladonna? No. So belladonna is a homeopathic medicine that is typically used by parents when children have high fevers. What is belladonna? Belladonna was a plant. And it was a plant that was used by women of the court back in the day um, before the advent of uh, makeup. And what they would do is they would eat this plant and the plant would cause a mild toxic effect in the person who ate it. And what did that toxic effect look like? Well, it caused for congestion. So the blood would rise up into the body and it would fill out in the cheeks. So they had these rosy red cheeks and they had these dark red lips because all the blood went up into the face. So, and that was more attractive, Bella Donna, right? Pretty lady. So that's the name that they gave for the plant that women of the court would use to attract, you know, uh, uh, a partner by causing their faces to look what was considered more attractive, okay? Um, Most people have an experience where they come home in the afternoon, their kid gets off the bus, and they look at their kid, and their kid is red in the face and, you know, is complaining about a headache and is complaining about, uh, you know, and, and you kiss the kid's fed head and, and, and they're burning up and they've got, you know, high fever and their eyes are glassy and stuff. Um, you touch their feet and their feet are freezing. All the blood is congested up in their head and now they've got this headache and this fever. Belladonna, in a homeopathic preparation, addresses that presentation because in its raw form, when you were overexposed to it and it produced a mildly toxic effect, that's the symptoms that you had, the redness in the cheeks, the redness in the lips, possibly glassy eyes and a throbbing headache and a high fever. That was what would happen when the women of the court would overdo it on the plant. So when we see that in a kid who hasn't eaten that plant, we know that the the signature of that plant will address that symptomatology in a minute dose. So you want to give that body what we were saying before you, with the onion juice Correct. The stimulation. to trigger. Yep, the stimulation to say, oh, I know what this, this medicine was for. This medicine is for, you know, congestion and high fever and headaches and glassy eyes and, and, and all this redness in my face. I have that problem right now. 
I know how to fix this. I thank you for the message. I will get to work. And then that innate intelligence of the human body starts to resolve what is pathological in it. And that is that presentation. You give that, all of a sudden the fever drops, the, 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 the headache disappears, the blood returns to the rest of the body, and they get better and then they move on. So without talking about anything with, with a vaccine, make believe mm -hmm. there's no vaccine for COVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And but you know about COVID. COVID comes out. So let, let, let's go back to March of two thousand and twenty. How was your, you know, way of dealing? If you had a, sure. a patient that came in that had COVID nineteen and said, "Hey, listen, I need help." Well, that's that's kind of what happened. Um, I had been in school for a little bit, and we were learning about the results that homeopaths had in epidemics historically. Um, Lincoln closed allopathic hospitals turned them over to homeopaths because they were getting better results with influenza. Um, the, the, the historical track record in regards to mortality rates during epidemics with homeopathy versus allopathy is, is, is very well defined. Um, again, these are just stories of the past and depending upon your perspective in the present moment it's going to be how you tell those stories. I would What's imagine. the difference between the two though? You just, it's just so for people that don't know, homeopathy and... Homeopathy is, 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 is defined as similar substance, similar suffering uh, where you, you're administering a medicine that causes um, a similar, similar suffering to the condition that the person has. Allopathy on the other hand is, is to negate that suffering, in okay. other words, is to is to really kind of give something that counters that suffering. Gotcha. That's where it's it, it's it's modern medicine. Uh, I I think allopathy is a slur that homeopaths use, you know. But I'm sure that they've got a handful of of, of them for us as well. Um, okay. So so what what you had was um, in March of 2020 when you know. COVID, the Elmont Hospital was the epicenter of the epicenter of, of, of Corona at the time. And uh, the medical, the doctors at the time, I don't, I don't think they were getting the kind of results that they would have hoped that they would have been getting with the treatments that they were providing because we saw hospitals being overrun. I mean, I know of, I know of cases where uh, I had somebody who was in NYPD, checked into the hospital, was discharged two weeks later with the same symptoms at the same intensity. Two weeks later, they gave him a Z-Pack and they sent him home. They didn't have anything for him, you know? And his, his wife reached out to me and said, can you help? And remember, we don't, we're not treating or diagnosing. I don't care that it's called, you know, COVID. I don't care it's called COVID-19. It doesn't matter to me. What are the symptoms? Show me what the symptoms are so I can find a homeopathic medicine that matches those symptoms. So what are the symptoms? I'm freezing. I can't, I can't get warm no matter how many layers I put on. I'm just sitting here with a warm cup of tea, taking sips of it, trying to keep myself warm. I'm bundled up in layers and I'm freezing and I'm shivering and I'm shaking. I feel like there's an elephant standing on my chest. I can't breathe. And frankly, I'm, I'm terrified that I'm going to die. I'm afraid of dying. That's the picture of Arsenicum album, which is a homeopathic medicine made from arsenic. Because if I poisoned you with arsenic what would you what would it be like for you you'd be freezing and you would maybe have difficulty breathing maybe you'd have uh, vomiting and diarrhea um, and you'd probably be afraid that you were going to die that's the picture of arsenic poisoning and it's also the picture of food poisoning and it's also the picture of how some people present flus 
and it's a picture of how many people presented with COVID back then. So the medicine, the homeopathic medicine, Arsenicum album, had a tremendous impact on people who had that picture of their suffering. So much so that India administered it to over a million people as you know, as their first line of uh, of attack on addressing COVID back then. Uh, so in March of 2020, I was getting people whether whether they had COVID or the flu or a cough or a cold. Those things, those labels weren't relevant to me. What were the symptoms that you had? You know, the person who was freezing, but but craving ice cold drinks gets a different medicine than the person who's freezing and is craving sips of warm drinks. So when people started coming to me and then they were freezing, but they're like, but Jonathan, I am dying of thirst and I, I, I am drinking huge glasses of ice water and I've got this fever and I'm freezing, but I, I don't know why, I just, I, I, I'm thirsty for ice cold drinks. They got phosphorus, which is a different homeopathic medicine. And again, because if I overdosed you on phosphorus, the, 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 the mineral, you would start to get chilly and extremely thirsty. And the type of drink that you wanted was an ice cold drink. You see what I'm saying? So it was based upon the presentation of the symptomatology of people on Long Island and in other parts of the country in March of 2020. And the fact that I felt as though I had something that wasn't available readily elsewhere that got me working with people who were suffering and getting them results. Were you getting results? Oh, absolutely. Like, give me give me an example of when you say results. So a guy comes in. According to my wife, I've treated about, uh, according to my wife, I've worked with about 70 people who had COVID or COVID symptomatology since March of 2020. Um, and the majority of which have gone on to uh, not be symptomatic. I mean, they built a business for me because when they got those results, they told everybody about them. So then all of a sudden, more people were willing to try an alternative approach. Nobody, nobody wanted to go to the hospital. Nobody wanted to be wind up on a vent as if this was some sort of mechanical respiration issue and potentially wind up dying. You know, This is before all of the controversy of how much hospitals are being paid to put you on a vent or how much hospitals are being paid to you know, administer remdesivir or these other things. You know, Outside of any of that, people at the time in, in 2020, in, in, in the first half of the year, they didn't care. They didn't care what I was doing as long as they had as long as they were getting results and we were getting results so when you got results you told 10 people now these people know 10 people tell 10 other people of course and that's why and that's the reason why i kind of realized that maybe now is the the right time for me to make this change and to really step into this this new earth that i see being born now and maybe Maybe Jonathan, the real estate executive, is the old world, and that old world is dying. And now this new world is kind of being born, and maybe there's a new role for me. Maybe there's a new persona for me to be playing in this new, in this new beginning. And that was as a homeopath. So I started you know, um, offering uh, homeopathic consultations to people for not just acute you know, manifestations of illness, but for chronic manifestations of illness and 
and you know whereas someone got results because they were you know having difficulty breathing and were you know were weak and tired and they were scared that they were having covid remember back then we didn't have tests i mean not that that you know again another controversy about whether or not we even have tests now but you know at the time people didn't know what this was and they just wanted results and when they tried a homeopathic medicine that got them results and it was a profound experience for them now they're willing to try it for other things so now people are coming to me with you know that suffer from chronic migraines or chronic headaches people are coming to me that had Lyme disease things like this things that the approaches to handling it previously for them were different. They were allopathic. We don't have time for headaches. We don't have time for migraines. So so how long have you been doing this for? If you could put up, can you put up his website there, Eric? Yes. So uh, I've, been, I've been working as a professional homeopath for about two years now. Prior to that, it was really just with, with family. There he is. Oh, geez. There he <laughs> right. is. Right. So this is, uh, this is our website at the Northport Wellness Center. Uh, we're here in Northport. It's uh, one of the largest integrative holistic health uh, practices in New York. Uh, there's a number of uh, uh, physicians and uh, health providers, and we kind of integrate together working with one another to help people, you know, optimize their health. Um, and but when did you start doing this now, you said? So in so I would say that in March of 2020, I was still an amateur, right? Because in March of 2020, it was kind of just like I was looking around and seeing people suffering and knowing that I could do something about it and just felt like I needed to do something about it. So I so I did. And but I, you were still doing real estate at the time? Yes. And I would I remember sometimes at night, you know, uh, or for early in the mornings, my daughter and I would jump in the car and we would drive to people's houses and I would leave little envelopes in their mailboxes from homeopathic medical dispensaries that had shipped me products that I knew would help these people. And, you know, from there, it kind of grew the 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 mythology dating back to the beginning of our conversation, the personal mythology started to grow and it gave me more and more confidence to say that I could do this full time. Uh, so I, I still was doing it, you know, as a, you know, call it a side hustle or whatever. This was just still a, 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 a well, you have a family. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going right. to just say, Hey, listen, you know, forget about the bills, forget right. about all this right. and all that. And right. you know, the food that has to be on the table. Right. Um, yeah, I, I get it. I understand. So the side hustle kind of became more and more interesting to me. And at, and at some point someone said something like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life and the money will follow. And you know, running the, you know, running the complaint department for, uh, you know, uh, wealthy, you know, luxury real estate owners at the time just wasn't kind of cutting it anymore. And no. and my, my, my girls, my wife, my, my daughters, they, they said, we'll, we're, we'll ride with you on this, even if that means that we have less, because this is what you were meant to do. This Tell is- me about your life, though. Tell me mm-hmm. about your, um, your mental well-being, right? Mm-hmm. Going every day, having to do the real estate, as opposed to now you wake up and you're trying to actually heal people. It's it's that's been probably one of the the best changes for me. When I look at who I was, say in say 2018, where I'm I'm commuting every single day, my kids are going to school. I'm out of the house 50 hours a week. You know, I'm stressing because I have to make sure that I, you know, satisfy people. And, you know, 
um, you know, be a you know good worker bee kind of thing. You know what I mean? So that I can you know be so blessed to have the money that I'm being compensated with to pay the bills and all that kind of stuff. And it's a lot of stress. You know, it's it's the modern life that, we're, that a lot of us are going through. And then I take a look at to see where I am now in 2022, where I don't do that. I don't commute there anymore. I don't do that as a job anymore. Um, my kids aren't in school anymore. And now I'm following my passion. I'm doing what I love. Um, I work. I work with my wife. She's she's at Northport Wellness Center as well. She's a holistic health coach. So she's integrating in with with me and the others that are working there. And our focus is to help people uh, achieve the highest level of health that their bodies can through a variety of different approaches, chiropractic adjustments, hyperbaric therapy, nutrition, movement, and even homeopathic medicines when there's some sort of pathological suffering that the person's going through. And and that's the work that I'm doing now. And I feel more fulfilled. I mean, I truly feel more fulfilled. I said this to to a, a doctor that I work with, and I said, I've seen things. I've done things. And I'm chasing those things again, and because once I've done them, once I've seen them, I'll I'll never do anything else. And that's the truth of it. I mean, I, I've I've worked with people who have had such profound results from the right homeopathic medicine that I'm going to chase those wins. I hate losing, and it happens. I'm not 100. percent I don't know anyone that's 100 percent on anything. I mean, if I'm if I'm pushing 75, 80 percent on chronic cases, or, you know, after seeing someone, you know, two, three visits or so, then that's probably pretty good. It's good progress. Absolutely. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I know the I know the res, I know the impact that that has on people. Somebody who has been suffering from headaches every day of their life for a decade, one or two migraines a month every month for 10 years. And they take the right homeopathic medicine that honors who they are as an individual. And all of a sudden, the headaches disappear and the migraines disappear. And we're talking about a year goes by and they don't come back. A year and a half goes by and they don't come back. You know, people would joke when I first said that I was going to become a professional homeopath, aside from, you know, obviously all the... uh, the, the the ribbing that I took for, you know, going from a, a steady career, you know, I, I could have worked in real estate until I retired kind of thing and been probably, you know, very well off. Um, uh, and I tell them that I'm going to go be a homeopath. They said to me, say, Jonathan, it doesn't seem like a very good business sense if you're if you're if you're working with people and all of a sudden they no longer have need of your services anymore because you've gotten you know, you've done a good job. And I had to remind them, I said, referrals. That's exactly it. I mean, <laughs> right. really think about it. Right. What happened to your headaches? Oh, they're gone. What do you mean they're gone? I got this guy got in Northport. Exactly. I got this guy in Northport. He gave me some, you know, natural remedies. Exactly. And it's gone. Exactly. And next thing you know, that person's gonna say, "Well, what's his number?" Exactly. Well, you know, get me in touch with and that person. And that's what's happened. And that's what's happened. It's not. It's not. It certainly is not as easy as you go into the doctor and you say you have a headache and they walk and you walk out with a prescription for Excedrin. It's not that easy. Uh, we have to get into it. You know, the only way out is through, and we got to sit down and we got to really go through what makes you you, so that we know that the the the, the skin rash that you have is resolved with natrum muriaticum and not resolved with, you know. Uh, Nux vomica, which is a different homeopathic medicine, but it's for a totally different presentation and type of person. You know, one of them is trapped in silent grief, and the other one is, 
is a you know frankly a, you know a, a, ra a raging asshole. <laughs> so you know <laughs> yeah. you get a different medicine as a result of which. Um, but the thing is, is that for me, it it really kind of um, the the world changed. The world changed, and I, and therefore I changed with the world because the outside world is really just a reflection of me and the inside world. So as the outside world was changing, I was changing. A couple of things that I just want to um, I, I want to ask you: How important is the food intake in a person's daily life affect their moods, their health? You know, I mean, there's so, you, you go to the grocery store and you see all of these artificial sweeteners, you mm -hmm. see all of these processed foods, all of this stuff, and, and, and you know, the commercials, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, cereal, Fruity Pebbles, whatever it may be, you know, you're feeding your kids all of this junk food mm -hmm. because, you know, oh, stop, I got to do this. Just, here, here's a, a fruit roll-up or here's a Pop-Tart or whatever that That's is. That's how I grew up. Yeah, me too. So, based on, you know, your, your studies... And your experience now, how important is it to have a healthy diet and how important it is to get rid of all of those alternative, those processed foods out of your diet? Or is it something that, you know, doesn't even matter? Well, I'm going to just expand upon that and, and not limit us to the materialistic view of our experience where we're just these, this sack of organs and bones that we drive around space in. Uh, we're more than that. So it's not just the food, the toxic foods that we're exposing our organisms to, but it's other toxic substances and other toxic, toxic influences as well. Talking about like makeup or anything like that or whatever you're putting on. Television. Television. Right. Television. Stress. Right. You, 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 you find yourself in a situation where you're not, your needs are not being met. And you still expose yourself to the, you know, those you're in a you're in a relationship with a narcissist, and you know you're constantly exposing yourselves to that toxic, you know, exposure. It, it's it, it's crazy that you said this because every morning, I just had this conversation with myself. I have mm -hmm. a lot of conversations with myself, obviously. So I, whatever. But every morning, when I get ready to come to the studio, go to work, whatever I'm doing, same thing with my girlfriend. First thing that we do is we put on Fox News in the morning, right? There you go. Fear, 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 fear. Blood, blood, fear, fear, yeah. blood, blood, exactly. bad, bad, right. negative, negative. Right. What'd that do for you? It does not, it, it puts me in that state. Sure. And what did it really do? What what benefit did it serve? Well, now you're informed of, of, of this what? one picture. Yeah, and what am I doing with it? Right, this one picture, this one story. You, you, and everything is about the past. Of course. This Absolutely. person got thrown in, th in front of the in, in front of the railroad. Mm -hmm. Well, I, that's not going to help me help that person. Right. That that's already happened. Everything is a negative picture of the past and being explained to me from what a picture that they've seen. Sure. What happens if you don't do that? I don't think of it. What happens if you if you don't if you're not subjecting yourself to that? It's not part of your life. It's not part of your experience. You're moving through your life without any sort of impact on that. Trust me, if you need to know something, your neighbor will tell you. Yeah, I understand. Right? Yes. If you need to know something, your neighbor will tell you, hey, Joe, your roof's on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to know that then and there, yeah. right? But, you know, what, what this one little picture of this one story that's happening in some faraway place that happened to this one person, I don't know what that does for me. And we're all sucked into it. Of course. This whole society right now is sucked into everything that's going on. They call when it programming. Right? Television programming. Why do they call it that if that's not what they're doing? 
They're programming us. How do you program repetition? Constantly having the same message repeated over and over and over. Until the point that you start believing, mm-hmm. whether whatever it may be, what was going on with COVID, what's going on with the critical race theory, whatever it's going on. Reality know, with- TV. Look at how these people are living their real lives. Look how fabulous their real lives are. My life's not that fabulous. No. I must fucking suck or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Right? Because, because I'm not living that fabulous life that I'm being exposed to all the time. That's a toxic you know, element that's influencing your health. Just like you know, the, the, the fast food drive-through cheeseburger is a toxic element that's affecting your health. So it's, it's about limiting all of this toxic stuff that we can because, and this is why I, I keep on referring to the toxic soup that we live in. We live in this toxic soup. The, the, the water's been poisoned. The air has been poisoned. The electromagnetic spectrum around us is being poisoned. The 5G, whatever you want All to say. All that kind of stuff. We're, we're being affected. So, so where does the body then therefore show the fact that it's dealing with this toxic buildup? It shows it in its weak spots, right? Those weak spots are individual, right? Some people... They develop skin rashes. Some people develop allergies. Some people develop other things because everybody's individual and everybody's unique and everybody's going to show their weak spot having been exposed to excess toxicity. Now, you can reduce your toxic load and therefore be less symptomatic, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not there. It's just not being perceived because it's not reaching that level where your body's now sending out these signals. But they're there. And that's kind of the reason why, you know, what was it like when we were growing up and we were looking at like, the, you know how it is, right? Uh, l- l- live fast, live hard, leave a good looking corpse kind of thing, right? Die young, leave a good looking corpse, right? You know, when we were growing up, everybody smoked cigarettes, right? And nobody ran, Right, I remember there was this one weirdo in the neighborhood that would be. Yeah, out very rarely you're but, seeing a jogger running around. In the night, but you're seeing people walk their dogs with a cigarette in, them, in their hand in their mouth. Right, but now we're seeing less people smoking, and we're seeing more people running, because the world is changing, and we're moving in that direction. Now I know that there are people who still look at those people who wake up every morning first thing in the morning and they work out and they you know they're you know they're 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 taking care of their health as being crazy. I think that we're going to start viewing them as crazy less. You know, it's 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 the same thing what we were saying like so you wake up and you you want to get be healthy, you want to go and, and and take care of your body when you wake up. I listened to uh, this motivational speaker his name is Les Brown mm-hmm. and he says the first thing that you want to do when you wake up is not put on say the news or Fox or Absolutely. whatever or, or whatever because that's now you're setting up your day. Right, you're, you're, you're conditioning your body to now say, oh, it's going to be a tough one today. I've now been programmed. I've, been now, I've received yeah. my programming from the screen, and the screen has gotten me programmed to be afraid of this, afraid of that, worried about this, worried about that, and overall arriving at the conclusion that this is where we're at. And it, you know, it generally sucks. You know, th- imagine if the programming instead was 
like like your motivation. In other words, imagine if the news that we woke up every morning to, instead of it being the fear programming that we're used to these days, was instead that motivational speaker. And and it was nothing but motivational conversation. So the first thing that happens, everyone, everyone wakes up in the morning and they get their little dose of, hey, it's going to be a great day today. You know, don't, you know, you're going to come across things, but, you know, have no fear because you're capable of handling it. You'll deal with it and everything's going to be just okay. And everybody walked out of their houses and went and interacted with one another in society with that as the programming. I mean, it would be a totally different problem. Totally different, yeah. Situation. Steve Harvey, I don't know, you know, Steve Harvey, the mm-hmm. guy that's on Family Feud, He's he actually is a great motivational speaker as well. And one of the things he says is, you know, your body, you have two choices when you wake up in the morning too. This is something that he says is, he says your body, your brain has, a, you know, is, is either going to tell you, like when you wake up and you're like, oh man, I don't want to get up today. I don't want to do this. Your brain starts telling you, you know, there's people, there's things that are going on in your brain. Oh, Steve's not happy. Steve's going to have a rough day today. So we got to now start doing it. And oh, oh, you know, Steve doesn't want to see the people that he's going to go to work with. And, you know, he's already talking about there's going to be a lot of traffic on the road when he gets out there. And so, you know, your body starts, your brain starts conditioning yourself and set yourself up for that as opposed to that. You really have the choice that you could wake up in the morning and be like, today's going to be a great day. And then all of a sudden it starts triggering. And that's what we were talking about before, triggering. Oh, Steve's having a good day today. Steve, Steve, you know, I can't wait to get to work. I can't wait to see what's going to happen today. You know, it's beautiful outside. It's this. Oh, it might be a little, you know, it might be a little this, but it's, it's okay. I got a job. And I, you know, I don't care about not going, you know, that I have to see these people because I'm going to be able to put food on my table at the end of the day. And your body starts conditioning yourself in a different way. And, and why I'm bringing this up, and this is one of the last things, you know, before we end this here, is, is you were talking about being in tune with your body, mm-hmm. right? What do you do? What would you recommend people do to actually say, hey, and listening? Because a lot of us are not listening. A lot of us are just programmed. Correct. And we're just going about our day. What would you give? What kind of advice would you give to people to actually put on the brakes, right? Slow things down and actually start listening to what your body and being one with your body, what it's saying and how you have the ability to actually change your mood, your you know the way you're thinking, everything. What 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 would you say to people? Well, so this is this ties it back to what we were first talking about when you asked me. In other words, what what my approach was and what my training was, or what my what my perspective was about managing my you know dealing with the 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 life that we're living and and it really does come back to being present in the present moment and recognizing what is a story and why it's not real um because the more that we're taken out of the present moment the more we're living in out of sorts because we're not here we're living in a in a place that doesn't exist we're living in the past which doesn't exist. We're living in the future, which doesn't exist. So we're disconnected from source. We're disconnected from nature um, because that only exists in the present moment. Uh, I think that that's extremely, extremely important because what happens is, is that it's you know it's I think if I'm not mistaken, it was it was the Buddha that said that um, when you live in the past, you live with regret. And when you live in the future, you live with anxiety, right? It makes so much sense. But when you live in the present moment, you live in peace. And that's the difference is that 
I'm not buying this system that we've artificially constructed and placed on top of the natural world and think that that's all that exists. Because frankly, the natural world is what actually exists. And that artificial construct that we've put in place in regards to society is not the same thing. And it goes back to having faith that I'm just part of this natural system and that everything will be okay and that the natural order of things will will um, per, will, will preserve me. The problem that you have then is people will say to you, well, death is natural. And I'm not, frankly, afraid of dying. So I'm not so... I don't want to. I have attachment. I have attachment to my family and my life and my friends. But the thing is, is that if that's what has, if that's what happens in a present moment, then in other words, if right now all of a sudden, you know, we get hit by an asteroid and it hits the studio and we're no longer here, well, in the present moment, we're no longer here. So it doesn't really matter, does it? Do you believe in afterlife? I believe that energy once created can't be destroyed and that all the energy that exists has been created. So whatever this is, is going to continue. And I don't necessarily know if it's going to continue in this way, shape or form, but it's going to continue some way, shape or form. You know, I think that the more that we can kind of live in the present moment and take stock of where we're at and begin to have faith in the realization that everything is, is okay, because everything's okay. Like everything's okay right now. We may have other stuff that's going on in our lives. And some of those things we may not be dealing with right now. We may deal with it in the future, but then again, we also may not. So, And why? it's not here now. Correct. So why are we ruining the one moment that we have by poisoning it with stories about the future? Or we're, stories about the past. We're just ruining the only moment that we have, which is this moment right now. And frankly, in this moment right now, you and I are chatting. Everything's okay. So life's good. Yes. And I will live in that moment as that moment gets replaced with another moment that gets replaced with another moment. But how do you do it? How would you personally do that? How did you – do you meditate? No. Is it, you don't. No. I'm shocked. I thought you were going to say yes. I would have bet, bet the house. Well, the house. So the I would have bet this. that you meditate. So the question is this. Is meditation sitting in lotus pose and just trying to clear your mind? Because that's not what I do. But I do spend a lot of time in silence. And I do spend a lot of time allowing uh, – serving as witness for the things that pass on through me. So my thoughts and my feelings that pass on through me in the present moment, I don't fixate on them. I don't harp on them. I don't, I don't use them to build stories. I serve as a witness for them because they're there for me. And I allow them to kind of, like all energy, it, which is always in motion, they pass on through. So it, you're more of a person that sits back. You're not on the train, but you watch the train pass you by, correct. right? Is that basically, you know, you, you're, you're, you stand by, you, things happen, and as they happen in that present moment, that's when you're dealing with it. But if the pe train passes you, you don't say, oh, man, I messed up. Correct, because now I'm telling a story. Now you're telling a story. The realization, and this is, you know. And the story isn't always true, because what happens, even in the past, sure. 
you don't really remember exactly what it is. Of course. It's just your figment of, you know, your imagine, imagination. And when your perspective in the present moment changes, the story of the past that you tell changes. You know, getting getting fired from that job that you had back then at the time seemed like the worst thing to happen to you. You tell that story the next day, the next week, the next month, and you're telling that story from that present moment where it's the worst thing that ever happened to you. But as a result of which you went and you invested in, and you, 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 you moved in a different direction, you, you found yourself time to now follow your dreams, and next thing you know, you invested in that, and that's what you're now doing. In this present moment, you tell that story of the past in a different light. It was the best thing to ever happen to me because it forced me to then follow my true passions and now move in a different direction. So whereas one time, the same incident, the, the losing of your job, is the same incident that happened, but when it's told from the different perspective, the story that you tell changes. You know, people are gonna are gonna are gonna watch about thirty seconds of this of this video and 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 then and realize that I'm a quack and they should just move on with their lives. But for those five people that wind up making it through the entire thing, the, the message that I could share is one that um, it's a message from Byron Katie, and the message is is that nothing happens to you; things only happen for you. And when you and when you own that perspective in the present moment a tremendous amount of relief comes over you because you then don't have fear because you're not some sort of victim to happenstance, things happening to me. No, everything is happening for me. So if this thing happens, if my, if my, if my company relocates or, um, you know, and I have to now change uh, career paths or if my, if my partner leaves me, it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. For some reason. I'm not the guy to tell you what that reason is. It's for you to figure out. But the thing is, is that when you look at it, when you've changed that perspective to this happened to me, to this happened for me, you begin to realize that things are not the way that you have convinced yourself they were based upon the story that you told. If you take that and really and dissect that, mm-hmm. I think that's where fear really comes in. When you put it first, what you said, to me, mm-hmm. people start living in a, in, in a state of fear. Right, because I could be victim of this uh, happenstance that just happened to me and now I'm this victim kind of thing. Nah, man, you're not a victim, dude. Nothing happened to you. It happened for you. Figure out why. It happened for you to learn from. It happened for you to for you to grow from. It happened for you to to wake up and figure out what you're doing with your life and move in a different direction. It didn't happen to you. You're not some sort of victim. Get over that. Move on. And that's the and that's the biggest thing that I feel like. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm I'm waking up every morning grateful that I have another opportunity to experience what this is that we're going through, which gratitude. is life. Absolutely. Attitude of gratitude is everything, man. And and I'm grateful for another opportunity because I'm living a life that's uh, that I, I'm not a victim. Do you, do you believe in God? Uh, sure, absolutely. Do you have a God or is it is it the God that you're told what it is or is it your own personal? I think that like words, I think that words and phrases and const, on, on constructs that are that are human created aren't enough to probably capture that which it actually is so it's hard i know it's a complicated answer but it's it's hard to say it's hard to put a human box on god you're saying that a human 
construct. Construct doesn't give it justice. He ain't no, he's not no some guy with white hair and a white beard living in a cloud wearing a white robe kind of thing. Uh, you know, the, the anthropomorphization of God, um, what if God was just everything? What if, what if everything that exists is God? And, you know, because, I don't, you know, for most people that I know that have a belief in God, uh, they, they believe that God is infinite. Well, what is infinite? Everything. Well, what's everything? I don't know. It's probably hard to, you know, to pin down. How would you pin down what you were if you were an infinite God? Probably have to create everything that existed to know what the infinite is. And what would that look like? might look like this. So for me, the, the, you know, do I believe in God? Absolutely. But do I call it God? Do I, do I subscribe to a, to a religious dogma that tells me what God is based upon the definitions of a bunch of humans at one point that, that, that lived and tried to put a human construct around God? That I don't think necessarily is going is, is gonna to really truly capture my belief or my faith in that which I consider what is God. So I definitely, I look at the natural, the natural world and I see how, um, how perfect it practically is. And that's the reason why. It really is though. Dude, it really is. It really is. And that's part of the reason why these offenses are so offensive. These artificial constructs are so offensive. The things that, that presume to know better, right? In other words, this perfect God that created this perfect existence, you know, perfectly missed out on this tool that it needed to preserve life. And therefore, the only way for us to, to, to preserve life is for us to impose this artificial approach to preserving life based upon what we as man think is the right way of doing things. Uh, I'm not buying that. How do people, if they wanted to follow you um, on your social media, sure. how would they be able to do that? And also, if they wanted to, I, I, you, I don't want to say treatment. Well, to work with us. To that's work what with we're you. doing. Yeah, is I'm work working with, with people. Yeah. People got ish, and I got to help them work through that ish. Yeah. How do you know they, how, so how do they get in touch with you then? So I'm on Facebook um, at Long Island Homeopath. Um, and the, the website, you know, that I also have is LongIslandHomeopath.com. My office is at uh, Northport Wellness Center, and you can find that uh, on Facebook and on the internet as well. Uh, Do you have a social media handle? I mean, on like, say, Twitter? Are you doing TikToks at the... Uh <laughs> <laughs> now I, I tend to I tend to I tend to keep to my Long Island homeopath uh, page and, okay. and that's usually the best way of I'll put it this way that's the page this morning there it is right yeah, there right, so there's my website and then um, you know the, the, on the on the you know before I hopped in the car you know I jumped onto the Facebook page you know the you know Long Island homeopath Facebook page and made mention of where I was going to be this morning. So I, you know, I, I, I put your website up on oh, that I page appreciate kind that. of thing. Absolutely. So, you know. You are a fucking rock star is one of the testimonials. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it gets any better than that. 
you know, the, the people are enthusiastic when they get results, especially for something that they've been suffering with for a long time. You know, it, that, like that person who had headaches every single day of their life for 10 years. Yo, that sucks. And that makes them irritable and that makes them cranky and that makes them short tempered. So this is all part of that picture. And not want to get up and do anything. Exactly. Right. So so now all of a sudden when that's not holding you back, you know, life starts getting good again. Absolutely. And the person that helped to do it is fucking rock star. And you're going to tell people, hey, you know, you got headaches. I had headaches, too. I suffered them for over 10 years. But, you know, I took a totally alternative approach to it. And that's really what homeopathy is. It's an alternative approach to managing our health. I love it. Jonathan Kavanaugh, I really appreciate you coming on. Joe, thank you very much, man. It was actually really great to be here. I appreciate uh, you the know opportunity. What? I, I, and I'm going to say this. Having somebody come on and you learn something about life and you learn something about, you know, something that I'm very interested in and I think everybody should be, health. I mean, it, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you came on. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having yeah, me. Absolutely. All right. So that's another edition here of the Joe Cozo Show. You can follow us on YouTube, on also on Rumble, and all of the audio is on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. And with that being said, we are out. Thanks again. Thanks. Hey, this is Crazy Robin. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show.